Baseball Tonight, the podcast. This is the Baseball Tonight podcast for Tuesday, October 26, 2021. And today will be better than yesterday. Producing from his home studio in the foothills of Connecticut is the Rev, Taylor Schwenk. Wow, that was impressive. I'm Buster Olium in Houston in the lobby of our hotel, which is why, Taylor, you're going to hear some elevator music. I love that. I love the ambiance. First of all, I'm just glad that you are out in the world. You're covering a World Series, which I know you love. And uh, I like when you you change the venue up. We haven't had a uh, baggage claim Monday in a while. So we'll have to think of a new moniker for this uh, hotel lobby situation uh, as you you progress through the, the, the final stage of the season here. Yeah, and it's got to be related to elevator music in some way because I'm hearing a bunch of that. <laughs> uh, before we get going, I need a World Series prediction from the Rev. Ooh... I think I'm going to go Astros in seven, but Buster, wow. we've got it. We've got a couple. I've got some bets in already this morning. I'm like wow. in the under. Let me let me pull up my app here because uh, sports gambling is now legal in Connecticut. So I've got a couple dollars on an Eddie Rosario hit. I've uh, I've actually got the Braves tonight. Uh, as the winner, and then uh, I've got the under, which is uh, the total runs is eight. So uh, I'm juiced up, man. I'm ready to go. You picked the under on eight. Yes, you got. You're you got crazy. Both, you got both. I, the I'm going to tell you, tonight. you're crazy. I know. I there's like going to be there, there's going to be some runs in this World Series. I, I I think so too. I just think tonight, if there was a night to play the under with both the aces up, I think this is this is when you do it. So. All right. Well, you are on the record. It was a big day in St. Louis yesterday. The introduction of their new manager, Ali Marmol. He talked about being the new manager of St. Louis. There's just so much information at hand and being collaborative, not only with the front office, but with baseball development, with the performance department, um, with the analytic department. There's just so much that we can tap into that will allow us to move this forward in a way that uh, I'm truly energized to do. Here's John Mazalak, the Cardinals president of baseball operations. Ollie's going to have his own voice. He's going to be able to put his own fingerprints on this. And, you know, ultimately, you hope and, and expect that he learned to, to do things in his own way and one that he has a lot of confidence in. The Philadelphia Phillies yesterday with a nice pickup, they announced the signing of infield coach Bobby Dickerson. He had been with the San Diego Padres. Before that, he was with the Baltimore Orioles, highly respected. Uh, and you would assume a lot of the work that he's going to be doing is with third baseman Alec Bohm trying to get him right defensively as they move forward. Now, yesterday was, of course, the workout day leading up to the World Series. Dusty Baker, the Astros manager, talked about what he's all about. I think that's been gone a while. I mean, we are we are here where we want it to be. And so you just play the game. I mean, you play the game for the love of the game and the love of of, of you know, winning, you know, and uh, they're about winning and, you know, I'm about winning. Here's Astros infielder Carlos Correa. We just want to really show the world that we're the best team out there. And uh, in order for us to do that, we got to get four more wins. I don't think the outside noise motivates us at all. Um, just the, the guys in, inside there, um, we, motivate, we motivate ourselves to just be better every single day. And you see the results on the field. He was, of course, referring to the science stealing scandal. Here's Freddie Freeman, the Braves first baseman. It took him a, a little bit longer than I'm sure he wanted to to figure out the success. But when he got here, he figured it out. And uh, he's taken that and run with it. He's become into, the, in my opinion, the best big game pitcher there is in this sport. And 
and we got him going game one, and th that's huge for us. You got, I'm sure Max will probably be going game two. So when you can fire those two guys out, and, and you're feeling pretty comfortable about, and confident about yourselves going into game one with Charlie Morton on the mound. Yep, Charlie Morton. He is a big game pitcher. Taylor, what do you got? Buster, a couple things. Of course, you can listen to every pitch of the World Series on ESPN Radio. Tune in for pregame coverage tonight, starting at 7 p.m. Eastern. First pitch is at 8.08. Also, new episode of Baldman on campus is in the can. It's coming this afternoon. Last week, I forgot who we previewed. Uh, that's kind of embarrassing. But today, Seth Greenberg, Jay Bills, and LaFonso Ellis are previewing the SEC and Big East. We've already done the ACC, Big 12, Pac-12, and Big Ten. We're only two weeks away from college hoops. Listen to Bald Men on Campus on your favorite podcast app. Finally, watch NBA Today on ESPN Monday through Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific. Malika Andrews is at the helm. She's joined by ESPN's full cast of NBA experts, insiders, reporters, and more. NBA Today, 3 Eastern, noon Pacific on ESPN, the ESPN app, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Dogs are an important part of our lives and keeping them protected is a top priority, especially against nasty parasites. That's why you gotta check out NexGuard Plus, a Foxaloner, Moxidectin, and Pyrantal chewable tablets. NexGuard Plus chews provide one and done monthly protection that kills fleas and ticks, prevents heartworm disease, plus it treats and controls roundworms and hookworms. That's a whole lot of protection packed into a delicious beef flavored soft chew designed to make monthly dosing easy and enjoyable. So the next time you're at the vet, ask about NextGuard Plus Chews. They're the one and done monthly parasite protection you want for your dog. Used with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurological disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting preventive. We're driven by the search for better. When it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash buster just go to indeed.com slash buster right now and support our show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast indeed.com slash buster terms and conditions apply need to hire you need indeed this is the numbers game with sarah langs Sarah Langs, of course, a reporter and a producer for MLB.com. Sarah, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. We have World Series Baseball today. I'm so excited. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. I was already thinking like, oh, my God, I got to get on a plane to Atlanta, uh, you know, in a couple days. But this, uh, uh, you know, I've been telling friends who've been texting me talking about how this World Series isn't one, 
that is going to draw a lot of interest. And, I, and I've been saying to them, look, it's not from Major League Baseball's perspective, it's not Dodgers-Yankees, but there are a lot of great storylines. There's a lot of depth to this matchup. Uh, give me a storyline that you really love. I mean, I think far and away, my favorite is Dusty Baker and Dusty Baker getting a chance to finally win that World Series, being back in the World Series 19 years after he last managed in 2002 with the Giants, all the postseason games that he managed in between and all the teams he's been with. I mean, there was a stat floating around when the Astros uh, clinched the division that he's the first manager in history to guide five different franchises to a division title. And, you know, you can't sum up Dusty Baker with one number. There are so many and none of them even come close to defining him. But I do think that starts to show just how many stops he's had throughout this baseball life. You agree with me that uh, the Astros making the World Series this year, that should be an absolute lock in terms of uh, him being voted in the Hall of Fame someday? Absolutely. I mean, I thought that he deserved it even before this, kind of just on the basis of his entire tenure in the sport, which is not how the evaluation works. Of course, you need to be a manager or a player. But I sort of thought that just the breadth and depth of everything he had done in the game already should have had him in regardless. But I think there's no question now bringing this team to a World Series at this point in his career. All right, let's play the numbers game. Number three. Number three is two. So I thought this was really fun. We've seen a lot of discussion these last few days about Dansby Swanson and Alex Bregman, who were the top two picks in that 2015 MLB draft. And of course, Bregman wears the number two, which I believe is because he thought he should have been picked number one there. And this is going to be the first World Series in history where the top two picks from the same draft face off against each other. So one is on one team, one is on the other. And, you you know, to your point, I mean, there are so many storylines, and I think that's another really, really fun one here. Number two. Number two is six. So talking about uh, game one starter for the Braves, Charlie Morton. Of course, he was here in the World Series with the Astros back in 2017, where he did start a game. He also very famously pitched in relief in uh, at the end of that series as well. But he's going to become just the sixth pitcher to start a game both for and against a team in the World Series, joining Al Downing, who did that for the Dodgers, Don Gullett, who did that for the Yankees, Tommy John, who did it for the Dodgers and the Yankees. So we started for and against each of them, uh, which is very fun. Uh, Denny Nagel, who did it for the Yankees, and Bob Welch, who did it for the Dodgers. So the other really fun thing here is he's the first to do it for a team other than the historic Yankee and Dodger franchises, which is pretty cool. Number one. Number one is nine. So I this kind of came to me as, hey, I should look into this a couple of weeks ago. And of course, at that point, we had no idea where the Braves were going to end up. I don't think many of us had them getting to the World Series, but this was kind of in the back of my mind to look into if they did make it. So Jock Peterson is bidding to be the ninth player in baseball history to win a World Series in back to back years with two different teams. Now, in this case, we're defining winning the World Series as playing in at least one postseason game for the team that won. So a lot, excuse me, a lot of people 
can think of a guy who was on a team for 20 games and that team went on to win the World Series. If he didn't play in the postseason, he's not part of this list. But the others to do it most recently, Ben Zobris with the 2015 Royals and 2016 Cubs, Jake Peavy with the 2013 Red Sox, 2014 Giants, Ryan Terrio with the Cardinals and Giants, Jack Morris with the Twins and Blue Jays, Don Gullett, who I mentioned before with the Reds and Yankees, Bill Scourin with the Yankees and Dodgers, Clem Labian with the Dodgers and Pirates, and Allie Clark with the Yankees and Indians. So that is the list that Jock Peterson would join if the Braves do win the World Series, which is pretty crazy. And of course, he's become such a postseason icon, I think, for that Braves team and just an icon for the team with the pearls and everything else in a very short span of time being on that uh, on that roster. So pretty cool that he might be able to do this as well. Yeah, it's the big journalism goal from this postseason to get the actual real story behind Jock Peterson's pearls. Yes. You know, because I suspect they're nothing more than, hey, you know what? Those look cool. He put them on one day. They had some success and then he rolled, given the superstition of players. All right. Before you go, give me a pick in the World Series, Sarah. Well, I had to make one yesterday that I sealed on some Google Doc somewhere. So I'll stay true to that because in the past, I think I think one opening day I gave you a pick that was different from what I'd done for online. That didn't go well for me. So we're going to stick with one pick and not try to play the odds. Uh, I went with the Astros in six. I do think that the Braves, you know, obviously the Astros are the far better team. And I do think that they will ultimately win out. But this Braves team has looked really good and they're a lot better than their record was this this year. So I do think they're going to put up a pretty good fight in this one. Absolutely. All right, Sarah, thanks for doing this. And I look forward to talking with you throughout the world series. Absolutely. Can't wait. Thank you so much for having me. Jumping into the numbers. numbers. This is Hembo knows on baseball tonight. Hembo, of course, Paul Ambikidis, researcher at ESPN. He's a honcho on the show. Get up. And he works alongside Mike Greenberg on ESPN radio every day. Uh, we have the Reverend in the book locked in with his picks. Hembo, before we get started with some of your notes, give me a World Series pick. I have, Buster, the Astros winning the World Series in six games. I think this sort of magic carpet ride that the Braves have enjoyed over the last two and a half months or so just has to come to an end. I, ultimately, it's because I think the lineup of the Astros is just too good and too deep. And, and over the course of a seven-game series, I think that's what will win out. And in case you're interested, I have uh, submitted Carlos Correa as my World Series MVP. I think there are going to be a lot of run scoring opportunities, uh, run, uh, excuse me, um, RBI opportunities for him, given that he hits sort of in the back end. Uh, like he's been hitting fifth in the lineup for most of the uh, postseason. I think this is the year in which he sort of, you know, sort of, you know, flips the, you know, sort of the double board to everyone, for lack of a better term, Buster. Obviously, we know how he had to wear it after the 2017 scandal. He has, I mean, if, if he has played the role of villain and he's done so well, I think he's going to play like crazy in the series and thus he's my MVP. All right. Uh, this is not a fair question to ask because you, you and I don't know what's in the medical file for Carlos Correa. Um, you know, I did that uh, piece on shortstops last week and, and asking evaluators about him and where they would rank him. Um, and one of the overriding questions was they want to know what's in the medical file about his lower back, which you know is a concern, especially in a player so young. Assuming that that information is okay, give me an early guess, and if that's all it is, is a guess at this point, on the size of the contract that he's going to command during the offseason. Because I kind of 
I kind of have a number in mind. I, I'm thinking okay. it's going to be around 220, 220-ish. I am going to, if you're going to set that as our over-under, Buster, I'm going to take the over. Now, obviously, this is pending medicals, but it is my belief that Carlos Correa is the best free agent available when you consider his age and his skill set. I ran through some numbers uh, a couple weeks ago and was surprised just how favorably he compared as a hitter, especially to some of these other guys hitting the market and some of the other great shortstops historically. And even if whatever club that signs him does not believe that he is going to be a shortstop long-term, there's no obvious reason for me to believe that he can't approximate the production of Manny Machado, for example. Obviously, Machado got 10 years at $300 million to me. Carlos Correa is every bit as good as Manny Machado was when he signed that deal. The, the, the pending CBA is obviously the elephant in the room. But if you're setting the over under at 220, Buster, I'm going to pound the over. Yeah. Um, boy, that, uh, that, that, that it'll be fascinating to see exactly mm-hmm. where it goes. And yeah, if he were turned out to be World Series MVP, that would launch him into the offseason. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Give me the context behind the Braves World Series run. Yeah. I mean, if they go on to win the World Series, Buster, they will really have done so running the gamut. Here's what I mean. Their three postseason opponents, the Brewers, the Dodgers, and the Astros, they combined to win 32 more regular season games than Atlanta during the regular season. Atlanta, of course, won 88. That would be the largest margin of its kind by any World Series champion ever. So I guess in that sense, Buster, sort of an all-time great underdog story. Give me the context behind the Astros World Series run. Well, if they go on to win the World Series, they will really have polished off one of the most dominant five-year stretches in recent history. The last team to win more than 60% of its games and multiple World Series over a five-season span, that would be the Yankees. The Yankees did so from 1998 to 2002, and the Astros are four wins away from joining them on that list. Who has the most to gain by winning this year? I already alluded to it, but it is my belief that Jose Altuve and Carlos Correa have the most to gain. You could, I think, reasonably argue, Buster, that both of those guys could put themselves back, clearly back on a Hall of Fame track, and in some sense, put 2017 behind them by doing so. I found this interesting. There's only one, only one Hall of Fame second base shortstop tandem that won multiple World Series together. That was Johnny Evers and Joe Tinker for the Cubs in 1907 and 1908. And it is my belief, Buster, that someday Jose Altuve and Carlos Correa might join them. I would say this. Uh, look, I think competitively, you're right. We just talked about how much Correa stands to gain in free agency. By the way, think back to the Astros offering him $120 million in the spring, how he laughed at that. Apparently, <laughs> really good reason. Um, I, the bottom line is, is that, uh, you know, what happened in 2017 is going to be in the first two paragraphs of their baseball obituaries. Um, there, is so no question about, there is no question about that, Buster. But my one pushback would be, I do believe that winning the World Series this year would offer them at least some vindication. Do you agree? Oh, no doubt about it. Okay. Uh, The most important matchup in this series. I think Dusty Baker's bullpen maneuvering this may very well be the key to this whole thing. So this postseason, Buster, the Braves own an eight eight excuse me an eight eighty four OPS when they have a platoon advantage against opponent relievers, but with a platoon disadvantage against the bullpen, that number plummets from eight eighty four. To 452, a huge gap, wow. of course. That is a much more drastic split than Houston's in those same circumstances. We've seen the Braves feast on relievers throughout the postseason in advantageous circumstances. So it's going to be on Dusty to go to the right guys at the right time. Which team has the game one pitching advantage? 
Well, if history is any indication, the Braves had the advantage. 76 different pitchers in Major League history have started at least five postseason games in which the series was tied. That includes game ones, of course. Charlie Morton's 2.32 ERA ranks ninth among those 76 pitchers and second among active pitchers behind only postseason legend Madison Bumgarner. There is no question that Charlie Morton has been one of the most underrated big game pitchers of his generation, at least in recent years. And that's why I give the Braves the game one edge. The one thing I would say about Charlie Morton, typically in the postseason in recent years, it feels like that his starts are like five or six innings. So there is going to be a soft mm-hmm. underbelly for the Braves, you know, in that sixth, seventh inning right after he comes out of the game. Uh, I want to uh, tell you real quick about uh, Taylor uh, made a bet on this game. The over-under was eight, and he took the under. I, I personally think he's crazy because I think they're going to hmm. be runs in this series. Uh, I'm going to agree with Taylor, surprisingly, and I'm also going to take the under. The logic here for me is simple. I think as the series progresses, you're going to see those numbers uh, really jack up. But with right. two rested pitching staffs, my guess is that you're going to see both managers treat tonight like it's a game seven. And so I'm going to I'm going to predict it's going to be something like a four to three game. Again, I favor the Braves because of the starter, but I'm going to go with Taylor here. You know, how can I go wrong thinking with Taylor? I mean, Taylor is he has essentially a perfect track record of predicting these things. Am I wrong? <laughs> Taylor, the Rev, I think you're being mocked. How dare you, Hembo? This is the deal, Taylor. Like my assumption here is that when you make a prediction, you're doing so with the benefit of divine intervention. Now that you're an ordained minister, so mm. I, I, I'm not like I'm not going to disagree with God on anything. So I'm going to go with you. I'm, I'm going to pound the under. There you go. Always, always <laughs> bet on God. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Hembo. <laughs> Later, boys. Get out of here, Hembo. Sick exactly of Hembo. Right. Vivid Seats wants to get you to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11 ticket with Vivid Seats rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with Code Baseball. That's Code Baseball. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Xavier Scruz is an analyst for ESPN. You've seen him on baseball tonight on Game Calls. Xavier, how you doing? I'm doing good, Buster. Appreciate you having me on here. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Uh, I want to ask you about this. I- I've gotten a, a lot of texts from friends, uh, from people who are casual baseball fans, basically telling me, boy, this is going to be a low-rated World Series. You've got the... You know, you don't have the Red Sox, you don't have the Yankees, you don't have the Dodgers, you got the Atlanta Braves against the Houston Astros. And my pushback has been, uh uh-uh, you know, I I don't think it's going to be a record setter, but I think that a lot of people are going to watch and is a chance to be an excellent World Series. And an indication about the popularity for me is the prices on the secondary market for game tickets are the highest they've ever been. I think this is a really good matchup. And you know, you know, the Atlanta Braves fans, they travel well, like there is a loyal fan base for the Braves. 
Yeah, I think that's the case, too, because for a couple of reasons, I look at the Braves haven't, you know, advanced to the World Series since 1999 and thinking about, you know, that long Atlanta sports curse, quote unquote, um, there, like you said, there's Braves, every Braves fans everywhere. They are going to come to these games. They are also going to watch these games. Um, and I believe the ratings will be higher than we expect them to be. Also, because of another reason, you think about how many people hate the Astros right now. People <laughs> want to see the Astros get beat down, Buster. I'm telling you, people that I talk to that don't even like baseball, they're like, I want to see them get beat. I'm going to watch just to see the Atlanta Braves beat them. So I think there might be um, a, a different change in mind when you think about how sports fans react to the Astros and how they react to this World Series. It may not be the two teams that everybody expected it to be, but it may be a situation where, okay, this can be exciting because of the two teams that we didn't expect. And one of those teams being hated on and one of those teams um, in Atlanta having a long sports curse, now having an opportunity to fight for the World Series. All right, give me a pick. Today is kind of a prediction day for us. Everyone chiming in on what they think is going to happen. Yeah, um, for, for me, are, are we just talking today or are we talking series right now? We're talking the whole series. We're talking whole series. I think as bad as, as it as much as it hurts me to say this, I think the Astros win it in seven just because of the way that they're playing right now. I think they made a huge adjustment in the last series um, considering their pitching and how they were able to stop the Red Sox hitters from being so hot after the first couple of games. Um, so that adjustment is big. But then also I look at the core group of guys that have been there in an Altuve, a Correa, a Bregman, who have that experience, but then also the younger players who have stepped up now in a Kyle Tucker and a Jordan Alvarez. Um, so I think as well-rounded as a team could be playing right now, that's what the Astros are doing. Did Framber Valdez and Luis Garcia open your eyes in terms of what they could be in a big game? Because they certainly did for me in those last two starts against the Red Sox. I thought the Astros were dead uh, when yeah. they were down 2-1 to one and they got blown out. And Valdez's stuff, his sinker, and you know this far better than I do, his sinker was ungodly in that start against the Red Sox. And in Garcia the other day, his career high velocity. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I look at what Valdez did. And that was that adjustment that I'm talking about, too, is Valdez, he started to go down in the zone with that nasty sinker. Like you said, it seemed to have more late life to it, getting a lot of weak contact, 70% ground balls um, that day that he pitched. Um, so did an extremely good job of keeping the Red Sox bats on the ground. And we had seen them launching balls for most of the postseason. And then the same thing with Garcia being able to have the, he had extra velo that day, um, that the last game that he threw. So he had a little extra something behind it. It seemed like he made an adjustment with his knees that was was hurt um, in the last start. Um, cre credit to Brent Strom being able to uh, help him make that adjustment to be able to use his legs better. But I look at what they were able to do and pitching is just as contagious as hitting. So you look at the, the guys in the bullpen and the other starters saying, okay, this is what those guys have done to make an adjustment. We're going to have to do the same thing, take it into the next series and, and facing the, the, the Braves, which is a great lineup itself. I asked Tim Kirchin yesterday to give me a comp for Jordan Alvarez because I said to him, I said, you know, just with that approach he had against Chris Sale, uh, uh, the way he took the ball the opposite way, he said, you know, he, he's very kind of like Freddie Freeman-like in that mm. all-fields approach. Tim thought more David Ortiz, Willie McCovey. For you, yeah. who does he remind you of? 
Yeah, my, my dad showed me a lot of Willie McCovey was one of his favorite players. Um, so I, I have to agree with the Willie McCovey because of the height. Right. But then also yeah. the ability to go the other way extremely well and just take his base hits. And but when a pitcher makes a mistake, he knows how to make you pay. And the guy is extremely patient. Like we don't normally see power hitters that patient at the plate. So to be able to see that has been extremely impressive. And then also the clutch hit. That's another aspect of what he's been able to do. All right. There's so many great storylines in this World Series. Tell me what your favorite is among the Snickers. You've got, uh, you know, uh, 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 the dad and his son hitting coach to the Astros. Uh, you've got Freddie Freeman in a World Series for the first time in his long career. You've got Charlie Morton pitching in this series. You've got the Astros players. Clearly, although yesterday they were talking about, no, we're only focused on winning four games. We're not worried about trying to reestablish our legacy. Uh, we know that that's got to be in the back of their minds. You've got Dusty Baker. What's a favorite storyline for you in this World Series? I think a favorite storyline for me in this World Series is, is two things. Um, the fact that the Houston Astros kind of have a chance to show everybody, OK, um, this isn't going to be a tainted World Series. This isn't going to be a tainted opportunity for us to win. Uh, we're going to show you that we can do it with, quote unquote, without without cheating um, and, and without an advantage. So I think there's one aspect that I'm excited to see there um, and. and and another being the fact that Atlanta gets a chance to be on a big stage right now. I think about the all-star game and how it was supposed to be in Atlanta. We were supposed to have that week there to honor Hank Aaron, but we didn't have that because it moved to Denver. So I think of now this city gets to have that stage right now, an amazing opportunity to amazing opportunity for them to highlight whatever they want to highlight. If they can highlight Hank Aaron, um, some of their past players, whatever it may be, but just having this city get an opportunity to be on a stage at, at, at the highest um, realm of baseball right now. I think that's a great, uh, as, as far as a little substitution that we can do for the all-star game. What's your perception of why players respond so strongly to Dusty Baker? I think the fact that Dusty, um, he's been in this game for a long period of time, right? He's done it for so long. He's been able to um, really navigate the ins and outs of baseball. But at the same time, he hasn't gotten his goal of winning a World Series. So I think that's like the focus of knowing, OK, if I play for a guy like this, he's still motivated by so much. Um, and and the way he's able to relate to young players and older players, veteran players, um, he's done a great job of navigating that. And that was something that he was always getting a knock for is not being able to relate to the younger players. So I think he's proven people wrong in that sense, but then also proven, OK, I know how to deal with the new school of analytics, but then also deal with my own thought and knowing how to make moves in the middle of the game. Yep. Having a feel for players for sure. Uh, I want to ask you about this. Chris Bassett, who, of course, uh, all-star pitcher for the Oakland Athletics, was on the Chris Rose show the other day, and he was talking about the Astros sign-stealing scandal. And according to Chris Bassett, this was an issue much broader than what uh, has been portrayed. Give a listen. Well, no, I just think it was a point in the sport where the entire sport knew what was going on. So it was like, well, Houston's doing this, so we got to do this to try to keep up with them. And instead of someone stepping up, and I don't mean a player, instead of like the MLB or whoever it may be, they knew what was going on and said, no one stepped up, everyone let it happen. And unfortunately, it escalated into something so big that John Boy and freaking the internet had to basically tattle on all the people and be like, 
they literally basically had to shove the proof in the MLB's face before they did anything, which is always, it's always the case with the MLB. The MLB never is ahead of a story. Right. They're always chasing the story behind and trying to cover up everything with the steroids. And that's how it's always been, unfortunately. Now, it's interesting. I, I wrote a column back in 2017 when the Red Sox and Yankees had their Apple Watch situation uh, saying that, uh, that Rob Manfred needed to step up and lay down the law and make it very clear. Look, if you use electronics to you know, steal signs, then you're going to be in jeopardy being kicked out of the sport. And I've always thought that that was a mistake uh, that Rob made. Uh, and I agree with Chris Bassett on this. But it's very interesting because he, pa- he sort of cast it as this being a sport-wide issue. And what I would say to Chris, uh, you know, I'd love to have him in a room uh, with all the players, all of your guys' peers, who came out in the spring of 2020 after the suspensions were rendered uh, and criticized the Astros and said, look, what they did was above and beyond. Uh, look, it was Clayton Kershaw, CC Sabathia, Mike Trout, uh, players who weren't even involved in this, who weren't playing against the Astros in big games. So many people came out and criticized them. So, you know, I'm getting, uh, you know, mentions on Twitter where you get Astros fans say, hey, what about this? Chris Bassett said this was, uh, you know, that this was something that every team did. Xavier, what's your take on that? Well, first and foremost, I, I really dislike when when athletes and, and baseball players try to speak for somebody else. I don't like the words when they say, OK, everybody was doing it or the, uh, I know for a fact um, when you don't really know. So for, for me, you cannot blanket everybody amongst one group that we know for sure we're doing it because of, um, you know, going into an investigation. So for me, um, I, I don't like those statements whatsoever because you only know what goes on in your own club house for sure. And we only know what goes on when there's been an investigation and we know something has come up. So I don't like players being able to say, this is what happened. I know for sure when you don't. And, and if, if some, and if you do know, then somebody needs to speak up and say, name exactly what happened, what the situation was. Um, So I hate this area of gray when somebody says, somebody says they know something and they haven't really shown us what they've known. So for me as, as a player, uh, I'm always thinking, you know, guys are trying to get an edge that happens in baseball, always going to happen. Um, but do it the right way. Do it in a sense to where that you respect the game, you respect people watching the game and then and don't blame others or say, you know, what a situation is or blanket a situation when you don't really know the facts and you only know about your own team. So uh, that's just a situation where I don't like when guys try to say something about somebody else when they don't know for sure. I'll give you an example of that. Uh, Tony Kemp uh, was a young player and he was on that Houston Astros team. And I can't remember if it was his rookie or not, but I've known Tony since he was back in college. Your Vandy uh, guy. He made it. He, what? Your Vandy guy. Exactly. He made it very clear when he joined the Astros. Nope. Don't want to have anything to do with this. Don't bang a trash can for me. I'm not involved in this. I'm going to do my own thing. And all the other Astros players, by the way, have backed him up on that, that that's how he handled that situation. And that, you know, someone made his own choice and Mm -hmm. someone made his own decision uh, and went his own way, despite the fact that he was a young player. Right. 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 He he didn't get bullied into, you know, or feeling peer pressure into contributing. He's like, nope, not doing that. Yeah. Well, I think there's an understanding. And and I, I know Tony well, and I think there's an understanding of players 
knowing that there's a certain level of wrong and a certain level of disrespect to our game and to, to, to what people watch and the ethics of our game. Um, like I mentioned, there's always going to be trying to get an advantage, but I respect guys like that who understand that this game is bigger than them. Right. And it's not just about you and you're not, it, it, you, you're not going to get away with things, um, you, you know, that, that really affect the game in the wrong sense. So um, I respect Tony for being able to do that. I know that was not easy for him. Any other players with the Astros being able to do that, I respect them as well. So um, that, that's just a tough, but I'm glad that we're past that point now. Um, and, and hopefully we can move on and this game can be better for it. And we can recognize when, when wrong comes and, and like Chris said there, try to catch it out in front. Exactly. All right, Xavier, thanks for doing this. It was great to talk with you. No, appreciate you, Buster. Have a good one. Bleacher Tweets. All right, Buster. Bleacher Tweets for a Tuesday. Andrew Campbell at Real Cam Drew writes in, Hey, Buster, putting aside the trash cans and buzzers, do you think that the Astros' continued success in October gives life to the tanking strategy? Not every team has deep pockets like the Yankees or Dodgers, and it still seems easier to tank than do whatever the Rays are doing over there. Yeah, Andrew, I've said on the podcast many times, look, under the current rules, tanking is a, I mean, it's a strategy that, uh, absolutely has it's been demonstrated to work. You can do it. And if you're an owner of a team, you win either way. If you tank and get first round picks, uh, you know, or top picks like the Astros have, you know, maybe you win a world series. And if you tank and you don't win and you don't get those picks, guess what? You still win. Cause you make a, a, a crap load of money. Taylor, I'm curious, just wanted to follow up. You see what I'm saying about what Chris Bassett said? Okay. Chris Bassett has his perspective. I'm not saying he's wrong. I don't know what's right and what's wrong. But for every Chris Bassett there is, you've we've had dozens of major leaguers who've come out and, and said the other way, where they feel like what the Astros did was above and beyond. Forget the media. Forget what idiots like me think. Right. It's pretty clear that there were a lot of players who felt like the Astros were wrong. Yeah, and I feel like this is some revisionist history on his part to try and cover himself a little bit and be like, Hey, I wasn't, I didn't rat my teammates out. Everyone was doing it. Not that I think he's a rat or anything, but uh, I think that, yeah, just, just a little bit of coverage on his part. I, I think I lean uh, into your camp because you're right. Every, I mean, we had, we had the superstars of the game coming out and admonishing uh, in the, the clearest possible terms of what the Astros did. Yeah. Not one or two or three or 10, like <laughs> all of them, like so many, like it was, <laughs> It was sport wide. And to this day, you talk to the players privately. I've talked to Astros privately who acknowledge, yeah, we went too far. Like, they regret I, it. Yeah, they talk about how they regret it. I don't know. It's, it's a very weird comment I, for him to make. Yeah, I know. But it's a, it seems to be a, a hill that people want to go to. Like, see, it would happen everywhere. Well, according to players, it didn't. Right. Uh, last one for today, Ben at Matt Rat 103 writes in, how much of an advantage is it for the Braves that they closed out the Dodgers in six, thereby lining up Charlie Morton for game one and presumably games four and seven in the World Series? Yeah, Ben, I, I think those days when the, the number one game one starter goes one, four and seven are pretty much behind us. Um, I, I think uh, and we've seen what the, how the Braves have handled Charlie Morton. They've tried to give him as much rest as possible. I would assume Charlie Morton's going to go one and five and be available for the bullpen in game seven. Uh, you would assume that Freed will pitch in games two and six, and then Ian Anderson would be in three, and then game seven if necessary, and then go bullpen in game four. I love it. 
Hashtag Bleacher Tweets on Twitter as you're watching Game 1 of the World Series tonight or listening on ESPN Radio. Thanks, everyone. That's it for today. My thanks to Xavier Scruggs, Sarah, to Hembo, and to the Reb, Taylor. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. And remember, hate and equality based on skin color is something we need to fight against every single day. Thanks for listening to the Baseball Tonight podcast. If you're playing fantasy baseball, check out the Fantasy Focus podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. The Baseball Tonight podcast. Dogs are an important part of our lives. That means protecting them from parasites. Ask your vet about NexGuard Plus, a Foxaloner, Moxidectin, and pyrantal chewable tablets. NexGuard Plus Chews provides one-and-done monthly protection against fleas, ticks, heartworm disease, roundworms, and hookworms. Plus, they're delicious and easy to give. Use with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurological disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting a preventive. Ask about NexGuard Plus Chews.